as we proceed to talk about what the body of Christ looks like when heaven and earth now are in are the new reality. I hesitate even to say the same space because that even the term space might, might confer a meaning that stirs an inaccuracy because indeed it's another dimension of being and it's not altogether apparent to me that another dimension of being might be, deter- might be described in terms of what we are familiar with as creatures of time and space by orientation. But when we do become born of the Spirit, we experience a newness in, in really everything. Uh, it's not a newness that has reached the finalities of definition, of course, uh, but rather an introduction to a new way of life, a new way of thinking, a new way of being, a new economy in which we operate, a new identity, redefined and new purposes, defined away from what we are drawn to as an expression of eternal purposes, but veiled in the natural. You know, people people who, because the gifts and the calling of God are without revocation, people behave in ways that if you know what you're looking at, whether or not they understand why they behave the way they do, you can recognize from an eternal perspective, from a spiritual perspective, you can discern what their gifts and their calling are. You know, people with um, what you aptly, what you might aptly call bleeding heart liberals. What does that mean typically? It's, it's pejorative in certain contexts, political contexts to be sure, but what are you really talking about? You're talking about people who in their natural conditions of their souls manifest a gift, a gift of compassion and mercy for others. Of course, they don't limit it to their their activities, their own personal activities, nor is it empowered, nor is their gift empowered by the Holy Spirit, but rather by the imperatives of their soul and they might very well move to try to insist that everybody see the world that way. And you know, that, so it might translate, for example, into political action or social activism of one kind or another, economic, political, social, you know, a, a lot of that. The, the body of Christ ought to be explaining the invisible realities to the world but instead by becoming part of the problem and by taking up certain false and erroneous assumptions as to why they're here and what they're supposed to be doing, they, they're not light, they're part of the problem. But that's another whole thing and I don't intend to get into it at all. All I'm saying is 
There are multiple aspects to this entity um, that represents how the presence of God is carried in the earth. So one of the descriptors aptly of that entity is the family of God. That's a real thing. It's not an allegory, it's a real thing, family of God, comprised of every tribe, tongue, language and nation. That's what this family looks like. Without regard to being male or female, Jew or Greek, bond or free, or black or white or whatever nation one comes out of, not that nation is exclusive to other nations. Resetting of our thinking is absolutely necessary. Just like God Himself has multiple references to celebrate and commemorate the different majesties of God, so the human assembled to the person of Christ, the human spirit constitutes a new creation, a spiritual entity that has multiple roles and with it multiple characterizations. Here we find uh, A, the New Jerusalem, B, and, and sub, subset of New Jerusalem, Holy City, B, uh, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, C, a tabernacle of God is with man. Not hard to see that all these things have tremendous biblical antecedents and first occur and often referenced in natural phenomena. But when heaven and earth come together, it is not an either-or of these things, it's an and. It's this and that, and something else. And it is also the transition from the partial, which is typically historical and natural, to the complete or to a more complete way. So it's not that it's evolving somehow, it is not. It is already what it is in the mind of God. And in the mind of God, it not only is complete, the thing is not only complete. If here we're speaking of the body of Christ or the tabernacle of God, it's already complete in that God sees the end from the beginning and therefore the matter is as complete as it will ever be in the mind of God. The realms accommodate and the changing of times and seasons and the changing of epochs and the, together with the changing of realms when heaven and earth come together, they meant this whole set of transactions is meant to accommodate, meant to accommodate the ever-increasing glory of God contained in these things. 
I understand how difficult it is and how, how much inertia there is that mitigates against us updating our thinking, updating our understanding and so on. And probably the main reason is because the familiar allows us to navigate in our present mindsets without seeing a need to change anything about our present mindsets. Because also, one of the things that has happened over time is that certain church groups have staked out certain understandings of the Bible as their own and as that which defines them distinctly and uniquely. And because that is true, any change to these things represents a fundamental disturbing of and upsetting of their settledness of this identity formed around, at best, a partial understanding. Um, so there, there are many things like that, which is why there's the mandate to grow up. Because when we're children, we think like children. In the natural, a small child thinks like a small child, uh, acts like a small child because a small child understands as a small child. I had a three-year-old and his mother visiting us here uh, at our home uh, recently and um, it was absolutely delightful for me to have this three-year-old boy uh, running around my house. Um, it reminded me of something of the innocence that is uh, inherent in childhood, but also you can't, uh, you can't expect a child to have the sophistication of an adult. They're not capable of making fine distinctions. This particular child had a mind that ceaselessly asked questions. And the parent, one of the parents, or the parent who was here with the child was worried that he would be so bothersome to us. Uh, she was nervous about it. But I sat her down and had a conversation with her about how the child processes information and why. And she shouldn't quench that, but she should direct it. And that's not the same as disciplining the child not to ask questions, but to understand the child and to know when and in what way to get into details with the child and when to simply give an answer and even when to ignore the child. Children are unsophisticated by definition, it's why they're children. But when you become a, an adult, referenced in 1 Corinthians, when I become a man, I put away childish things. There seems to be, however, a great reluctance on the part of the church to put away Sunday school level understanding 
of prophetic scripture. When prophetic scripture, when they're uttered, are uttered within certain context, with certain assumed understanding, but they're always pointing to a greater context, a more sophisticated understanding, which upgrades, updates, empowers a different reality and with it a different way of thinking. So, what are we seeing with a holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from heaven? What are we to see about that? Well, on earth, humans call certain locations holy cities. In Islam uh, and in Iran, there is the holy city of Qum. Many Christians and um, Jews alike think of the physical city of Jerusalem as a holy city. There are other places that are considered holy places. One of my visits uh, to Greece in one of the museums, you were not allowed to speak even at a whisper because the site was of the museum and the artifacts contained in it were judged and deemed to be holy. Well, holy is the thing that is set apart. And since God neither dwells in temples made with hands, because He made His own temple, we are the dwelling place of God, not humans in general. Humans born again by being raised from the dead by the Spirit of God and humans who have been baptized into Christ, which is to say, assembled by the Holy Spirit as a particular part of that which represents the physical presence and dwelling of Christ on the earth and at this time. But this dwelling of Christ is both in heaven and on earth and it is variously described as the body of Christ and or the bride of Christ and or the city of God and other, others, other designations as well, the family of God, the dwelling place of God. Each one is a specific reference to a particular emphasis. So the holy describing city is a reference to the presence of God that makes ordinary things holy. Be you holy as I am holy. Objects are not holy, locations aren't holy, rituals aren't holy, but a people who carry the presence of God are holy. Why? Because it's God, the Holy One, 
who confers the status of holy unto anyone who carries His presence. You'll note I don't say anything that carries His presence because He doesn't dwell in things. And that's because of the nature of how He dwells and interacts. He dwells and He interacts spirit to spirit. And unless the container of God is spirit being, with the origin of that spirit coming out of the person of God and dwelling in the carrier of that selfsame spirit, such a thing can never be holy. So, inventions like holy water, holy oil, holy food, holy places that are called sanctuaries, they're just that, they're inventions. They're inventions in part by ill-informed people, but in part there's a more sinister reason why they're designated holy. It is to distance the human who who is alone in his capacity in creation to carry the presence of God, to distance them from God. And instead, because you can control locations, you can control access to locations, even charge a fee, you could require people to pay for the privilege of a holy uh, 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 entrance into some holy place, some holy grotto or city or whatever. Only God, only the presence of the Holy God confers holiness to anything. And since God, listen, this is critically important, since God cannot, cannot dwell in any form other than as spirit, the place or the thing or the object or the entity alleged to carry the presence of God and become the dwelling place of God has to be by definition a like spirit. Even angels cannot carry the presence of God. They can do the bidding of God like wind and fire may do the bidding of God, but it is not to angels that God has committed the rule of the ages to come, because it's He Himself in vessels so thoroughly refined as to offer absolutely no objection to either His presence or what He wishes to do out of that location in time that may carry His presence. If God could move or maneuver a building to do His presence, then perhaps the building might be considered holy. If a building could respond to God being present in it, 
then perhaps that might be considered holy. But they cannot be because, because fundamentally, the only thing that may entertain the presence of God is one that is of like spirit as God. And the only thing in all creation that was ever created in the image and likeness of God, and that by an impartation of spirit into that entity, the only thing in all creation that is so qualified is man, humankind. But even there, the humankind may contain a spirit out of the person of God, indeed does contain a spirit out of the person of God, but that spirit is dormant inasmuch as it does not affect the thought process, the behaviors, or the empowerment of man until the Spirit of God resurrects that spirit from the dead. So it is intrinsically obvious that the new Jerusalem is not a structure of any kind because there are no such things as spiritual structures. Only when human spirits have been formed into a dwelling place for God, might it be said to be the dwelling place of God. You know, you know why God allowed the Romans to tear down the temple in Jerusalem? Because it had become a place in which the presence of God was not honored by those who entered there. The tabernacle in the Old Testament, like the temple in the New Testament, was only holy because God consented to meet with people there. When the temple was evacuated by the presence of God, God definitively symbolized He had evacuated it because the veil of the temple, which was in type and shadow, a masking between the natural order of things and the eternal or invisible order of things, that was rent in two from top to bottom indicating it was torn it was god's idea to tear it open and the symbol that resided behind the curtain that typified this meeting of heaven and earth the ark of the covenant was sprinkled with blood god allowed to be taken to rome not to a fictitious location in a movie. We know that because 
in the Ark of Titus, in the arch rather, in the arch of Titus, the one who sacked, the Roman emperor who sacked Jerusalem and carried away the objects of the temple, in the arch of Titus is a carving of soldiers bearing away the Ark of the Covenant and the menorah, the light within the temple and the location where God agreed to meet with man. So we know it was taken to Rome. What happened to it after that, uh, we don't know. Now, there are associated mythologies. Um, However, my point is simply this. Objects did not have holiness other than as they were used in regards to the presence of God and man as spirit meeting to transact the business of heaven. So the holy city, because it's called holy city and designated New Jerusalem, we must not assume that it is a physical structure. We can only see it, we ought only see it as that form taken on by the corporate body of Christ, that form. In that capacity then, it is appropriately to be regarded as the new Jerusalem because that's the mother of us all. We're born from above. The church itself is called, the church which is the body of Christ is called the general assembly and church of the firstborn and the new Jerusalem in one reference in Hebrews. And again it's referred to as the new Jerusalem, the mother of us all in the book of uh, uh, Galatians, the fourth chapter. So we know what it is and that with it there is no more contention because the nations dwell in the harmony and peace of the sovereign rule of Christ. Then it comes down as a bride prepared for her husband. It comes out of the the invisible realm into the visible realm even as both realms amalgamate and become that which is ruled over by the Lord Jesus Christ. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, We have more on that matter in Revelation 17 and uh, that speaks of, or rather Revelation 19 that speaks of the bride making herself ready. And as to the tabernacle of God that dwells with men, uh, yes, the dwelling place of God is now both with men and in men, amongst men and with men as it has been from the beginning. So these three definitions 
are all consistent with our understanding. Actually, three plus one, in that we talked about holy as descriptive of the city and new Jerusalem as descriptive of that which is the, is the place from which uh, the, the manner in which Christ rules in His body. It's like a bride adorned for a husband because that is in fact the nature of the association, one of the natures of the association, to depict oneness, to depict oneness as between Christ and the church. You need to go back to Ephesians chapter 5 where the analogy is to the bride of Christ and, and husband who is the Lord Jesus Christ as described in the context of a husband and wife. And finally, the dwelling place or tabernacle of God. That goes back to the Old Testament when the first iteration in the wilderness was formed and moved forward and took on a greater display of symbolism in, uh, in the, the temple in Jerusalem which was subsequently destroyed because at that time, at that time, God was no longer meeting with man in a holy location. God was meeting with man in the body of Christ. When I say holy location, I, do, I am exempting the body of Christ because that, that is the only and exclusive meeting place ever between God and man once it was established. The body of Christ as it has been and even now is, is one of ever increasing glory. And when it comes out in the form of the new Jerusalem, it is to accommodate that level of present glory at that time. We'll continue to unpack further these mysteries when I return. I'm Sam Solon and I'll see you then. Bye now.